may be seated. Wait, wait, wait. Before you sit down, stand back up. Stand back up. <laughs> I want to. I want us to get in the habit of doing this together. Uh, I want us to stand and read God's word together. We, this is our kind of our anchor anchor verse that we've been looking at for this series, and I want us to just proclaim it together. Um, these words that are God's words. So would you read this with me? This is Jeremiah 17, verses 7 and 8. But blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries even in a year of drought. And never fails to bear fruit. This is the word of God for the people of God. And so we say, thank thanks be to God. Before you sit down, I want you to greet somebody. And here's a question you can ask you can, if you need something to talk about. Tell them, what's the first thing you did this morning? Or what's the first thing you're going to do this afternoon? Just If you need something to talk about, there you go. But otherwise, you can just say good morning. Okay, now y'all can have a seat if you if you if you'd like to. I thought about it. I thought you might not want to tell what the first thing you did this morning. That's why I gave you the that's why I gave you a second option. You could tell what you want first thing you're gonna do this afternoon. <laughs> well, um, uh, there's a reason why I asked you that question. It kind of goes along with what we're gonna talk about today. As I mentioned earlier, we're doing this series called Life Goals, and we're in week three of this conversation about uh, kind of the alternative to New Year's resolutions. We've talked about how resolutions are kind of uh, it's all about me, what I can do, what I can't do, but instead, the alternative is what I call New Year's Revelation, which is really focused on what God can do and believing what God can do and, and how that impacts what we do and what we don't do, right? But it comes from a place of trusting God and entrusting to God all that we are and all that we have. When we do that, um, the, the result is the picture that, that I have in my mind is what we just read, that picture of a tree planted by the water that even though no matter what's going on around us, that, that we are rooted and that we are confident, uh, not in our own ability, but in God's ability to, to do things in us and through us that we could never do uh, on our own. So that kind of changes how we, uh, how we look at things, how we live our life of, of faith. I believe that, that if we do that, if we, if we do that simple shift of, of seeing things in that way, it has the potential to transform our lives and our relationships, not, not just at the beginning of the year, not just for this year, but, but for the rest of our lives. And so, uh, so we're kind of looking at that and leaning into what that might look like for us to, to have some New Year's uh, revelation, uh, how that might bring about some, some specific kind of change in our lives. Last week I talked about three things actually that that as we respond to God's revelation in our life it gives us a, a new perspective on life. It can give us new priorities in life. It can give us new practices for life, um, how we live our everyday lives. 
And so we're kind of talking a little bit about that in this series. And, and I, I started by telling you about uh, what, what Andy Stanley calls the principle of the path. Do you remember that? Uh, direction, not intention, determines destination. So we want to follow God's way. We want to go God's way. And, and when we do that, God begins to give us a new perspective. Last week we talked about the principle of perspective, which is where you stare is where you steer, right? Remember that? Uh, and so this week what we're going to talk about is priorities. And so there's a principle for priorities as well. And the principle goes like this. You can do anything, but you can't do everything, right? Uh, and that's true, right? Uh, we believe that, that by faith we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us, but, but, but we can't do everything, right? Um, and so, so we're going to talk a little bit about that today. I think that's an important message for us to hear and to apply, especially right here, right now, in, in the place that we're at in our culture and in our world. Because I believe we live in a culture and we live at a time in history uh, when, we, when our most valuable resource is our time, uh, our attention. Uh, the most valuable commodity of our time is our time. I believe that. And, and the crazy part about it, at least for me, is that I feel like my most valuable commodity is my most scarce resource. Uh, how many of you feel that way? Uh, like there's not enough hours in the day. Like there's not enough days in the week, right? I, I, I talk to people all the time that, that like me, are, are, are struggling to find more time. Uh, that there aren't enough hours in the day. There aren't enough days in the week to do all the things that we feel like we have to do. Can you relate to that? Yeah. I got a friend who's a pastor, and, and every time I see him, he says the same thing. I say, how you doing? He says, I'm still looking for that eighth day so I can get it all done. <laughs> One of the things that you probably hear a lot when you ask somebody how they're doing, uh, if they don't say fine, usually the next response is staying what? Busy, right? Just, how you doing? Oh, staying busy. Uh, and that's kind of become the expected response because that's sort of the status quo, right? That's the expected outcome in our lives because we're living in this place where uh, we've filled our schedules with so many activities that if we're really honest, there, there might not actually be enough hours in the day or days in the week to do all the things that we've jam-packed into our lives. And it reminds me about if we think all the way back to the order of creation, right? Um, God ordered each day and he said, it's good. And, and so if we're living in this place where, where there aren't enough hours in the day, where there aren't enough days in the week, not only to get it all in, but to have some rest in the middle of it, which by the way, was important to God too, when he created, uh, the earth and everything in it, then, then maybe we need to, maybe we need to look at that. Maybe we need to reevaluate our days and, and our weeks. I don't know about you, but I feel like, uh, my days and weeks are full of things, and, and, and most of them are good things, right? Um, but even good things can, can become a bad thing if they're uh, getting in the way from us being able to do the things that matter most, right? Uh, Oswald Chambers uh, wrote the devotional, My Utmost for His Highest. It's a great devotional. But in it, he says, the greatest enemy of the life of faith in God is not sin, but good choices, which are not quite good enough. He says, the good is always the enemy of the best. So maybe there's all these good things that are going on in our life, but maybe they're keeping us from, from, from the, God's best for us, from the best things that God has for us. Or maybe even those things that we have that we're, we're not being able to be fully present and enjoy and experience the way that God wants us to because we're so busy all the time. That's why I think it's important for us to, to discover and develop 
what I, what I want to call some New Year's priorities. Um, those things that that are most important to our life of faith and our relationships with God and with one another. Uh, Stephen Covey wrote a book called The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And in it, he said, the key is not to prioritize what's on our schedule, but to schedule our priorities. I don't know about you, but, but if I don't schedule it, nine times out of ten, it doesn't get done. If it's not on my phone, then it, it probably isn't going to happen. And so uh, I've got to schedule my priorities. And, and sometimes I need to take some time to look at my schedule and see if it's reflecting the priorities that I say that I have. You know, I think the problem is a lot of times we often spend our most precious resource, our most valuable commodity uh, on things that are determined by uh, what's most pressing or, or um, you know, those outside influences. It's, it's the, the tyranny of the urgent, right? It's the tail wagging the dog. Uh, we've kind of forgotten, I think, that urgent doesn't always mean important, right? What's most pressing isn't always our priority, but we sort of get in, stuck in this rut where we just kind of are constantly responding to those things, and we don't take some time to really think about what's the most important. That's why I think it's important for us to just take some time. That's why I'm really, uh, I'm getting a lot out of this series because it's really helping me remember what matters most and how I can really live intentionally into those places that God's calling us to be faithful to who he's created and called us to be. So, so for us to achieve these life goals that we're trying to set together, I think we need to learn how to, to schedule our priorities and before we can schedule them, we have to determine what they are, right? So um, another author that I've read a lot, is uh, his name is Michael Hyatt. He's kind of a time management guru, and he talks about managing our time, not so that we can fit more in, but so that we have time for the things that, that matter most. And what he says is he says, we need to learn how to say no to most things, even things that matter, so that we can say yes to those things that matter most. Uh, so the question I think we're left with is, how do we determine what matters most? And once we determine what matters most, how do we order our lives around what matters most? So that we can say yes to those things that we need to say yes to and say no to the things that we need to say no to so that we can say yes to those things that matter most. And so, again, it's, it's at that place where I think uh, God has things that he's revealed to us. There's some revelation that I think can help us with these decisions that, that give us some guidance. And the place that, that my heart and mind was directed to this week in God's Word uh, was in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 6, specifically verses 33 and 34. So I want to read it for you today. This is Jesus speaking, and he says this, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Boy, that's the truth, isn't it? I think so many times I get stuck thinking about the past or, or worrying about the future uh, that it, it kind of robs me of that gift of the present. And so Jesus is saying, seek first God's kingdom, God's righteousness, and, and God's going to take care of you. All these things are going to be taken care of. Um, but you need to trust me and entrust to me all those things. So uh, this is a passage of scripture. Uh, Matthew chapter 6 is kind of towards the end of, of, of a larger passage of scripture. Matthew 5 through 7 is where Jesus uh, delivers his, his famous Sermon on the Mount. 
I'd, I'd encourage you to go back and read the whole thing this week. I put it in some of it in your daily scripture reading, so you can go back and read it. But um, but this is actually, as I went back and read through it this week, I realized the Sermon on the Mount is basically Jesus's message to the world about what it looks like to seek first God's kingdom and God's righteousness. So when he says that at the end, he's kind of landing the plane. He's kind of bringing the sermon to a close. And he says, seek first God's kingdom, God's righteousness, and all these things will be given to you. But how do we do that? Well, if you go back and read the whole sermon, you see how Jesus kind of sets it up for us to know what it means to seek first God's kingdom and God's righteousness. So the the, the sermon starts with uh, what what I call the economy of God's kingdom. But uh, you probably read in, if in your Bible it says the Beatitudes. It's basically he's talking about God's kingdom is this place where, where the, our priorities are different. They're different than, than the world around us, right? Um, Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. And he sort of tells us about what that looks like. And what it looks like is things like he says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of of heaven. Blessed are the peacemakers, for, for they will see God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So he's telling us about the, the kingdom of heaven is this place where God's reign is, is the priority, and, and God's will is our purpose, and, and our righteousness looks a little different. To get to the next part there, he starts to talk about, he kind of redefines our understanding of righteousness. See, the people of God during that time, they had their understanding of righteousness was uh, was in relation to their adherence to the law, right? They had all these, the, the laws and the prophets that gave them these, these rules and regulations, and, and their righteousness was according to the law. So Jesus sort of reorients that. He says, he talks about, in, the, in my Bible, the heading is the fulfillment of the law, and Jesus gives us a new understanding of righteousness. He says, don't think I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. I've not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. But then he says, I tell you, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. So what does he mean? The, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, they were the ones that followed the law better than anybody. So how would, how would we have a righteousness that, that surpasses that? Well, in the next few verses, he kind of talks about uh, what that looks like. He, he hits a lot of big issues in, in, in the law, things that, that were important to God's people. Uh, he talks about murder and adultery and divorce and oaths and justice and all these things, these big things. And, and there's this pattern that he uses when he's talking about it. He says, the law says this, but I say this. For example, the law says don't kill another person, right? And so Jesus says, but I say, don't do anything or say anything that would kill your relationship with this person. See the difference? Um, it's, not, it's not abolishing the law. It's, it's expanding our understanding of, of, of what it means. Just like we've talked about before, Jesus gets to the heart of the matter by getting to the matter of the heart, Right? So, so basically what he's doing, he's, not, he's raising the standard, uh, but, but not in a way of, of more uh, strict adherence to the rules and regulations, but it's placing the highest priority on, on relationships, our relationship with God and our relationships with others. He's saying this is what matters most. This is what should matter most to people because people are what matter most 
to God. So this is what this is what my kingdom is all about, and this is what righteousness in my kingdom looks like. The, the currency for the kingdom of God is relationships. And so when we learn how to live our relationships with God and with one another in the way that, that Christ calls us to, that Christ modeled for us, then that's what righteousness through faith is all about. So when we start seeing things from the kingdom perspective, then we can set some kingdom priorities for our life and for our relationships with God and others. Then he goes into conversations about prayer and, and fasting and generosity and, and not judging and not worrying, but instead trusting God and entrusting to God all that we have and all that we are. Basically what he's saying to, to God's people then and now, I think, is, is this. Don't follow the pattern of the world. Don't follow the pattern of the, the pagans. And They have this different economy. It's an economy of scarcity and selfishness. Instead, uh, learn to live out of the abundance of God's provision. Make priorities according to the pattern of God's kingdom and pursue this righteousness that comes uh, not through ad, um, this strict adherence to the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ, who is the fulfillment of the law. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and then all these things will be given to you. Does that make sense? You with me? So, so what could this look like for you and for me, uh, for us to implement in in this this into our everyday lives? Where do we where do we start? Well, here here's a here's a concept I want to share with you that that that's helping me kind of process this and think this through. Uh, I have a friend who a few years ago, uh, with some others, she, she started this small business and and it's called Space Claimers. And, and basically what happens is uh, they help people remove all the clutter in their lives and kind of get back on track and get focused and intentional about the space that they have at home or, or at work, right? So, so what, what she does is she'll go into a house or into a business and they'll look at each room in the house and the first question that she asks is, what is the purpose of this room? And based on that purpose, what do the priorities for this room need to be? <laughs> and once they've discovered that, once they've determined what that is, they take everything out of the room and then they only put back in the room the things that, um, that align with that purpose and are focused on those priorities, okay? Does that make sense? So here's what I'm thinking today as we talk about priorities. And you think about what are my priorities and how can I organize my life around those priorities. Maybe, maybe you need to take some time today or this week to claim some, some sacred space in your life for your relationship with God and the people God has placed in your life. Even if it's just mentally, maybe you need to go through the rooms of your house, the rooms of your, the rooms of your life, <clears throat> and say, what's the purpose here? What's, what's, what's the priority according to that purpose? Maybe, maybe you need to make a list so that you can see all the things that you're, you're spending the currency of your time and attention on. Maybe you need to take, even if it's just in your mind and in your heart, take everything out, take a good look at it, <laughs> and then put back in the things that, that fit the priorities for the life that you want to live. You want to live. Maybe that'll help us all discover those things that matter most and how we can make the most of the time that God has given us, that we might be able to see that precious 
commodity as a gift from God that's to be given back to him every hour of every day. I wonder what, how that might change not only our perspective, but our priorities. And what we're going to talk about next week, those practices that we put in place uh, to help us keep those priorities and that perspective. So <clears throat> I want to leave you this morning with, with, uh, with three things that are real practical next steps, things that you might try that might help you have these New Year's perspectives, okay? And they're on your sermon notes if you want to follow along. The first one is this. Make sure you plan your priorities. 143, uh, Psalm 143.8 says, Let the morning bring me word of your unfailing love, for I have put my trust in you. Show me the way I should go, for to you I entrust my life. How do we make sure to plan our priorities? Michael Hyatt says, what gets scheduled gets done. So once we uh, determine our priorities, then, then our, I believe that our planners need to reflect our priorities. Our schedules need to show the significance of those priorities. Let me give you just a quick example. Uh, I have a, a, a meeting that's scheduled. It's in my phone. <clears throat> and I have alerts that go off. Every Friday at 8 o'clock, uh, my wife, Abby, and I, uh, as soon as we had dropped the kids off from school, we have a meeting. We have a standing meeting on Fridays where we're going to sit down with our planners and, and a cup of coffee, and we're going to talk about uh, how things are going. We call it our time to check in and check up. Uh, and when, when what we found is if we don't schedule that time, we, the time never came, right? There all all kinds of other things would get in the way and push that out of the way. So we've discovered for our relationship to uh, to survive and, and, and thrive, uh, we need time to talk about not only uh, what we're doing, but how we're doing, right? And and we found that that if we didn't schedule it, it didn't happen. But now that it's happening, it's 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 had so much fruit in our lives and our life together. And so, uh, don't you think that's important? Uh, not just for that relationship, but but for our relationship with God. How how many of us have scheduled time, put it in our phone or in our planners for spending time with God? You know, if what's scheduled gets is what gets done, usually what gets scheduled first is what gets done first, right? So so I wonder if maybe we need to schedule. Maybe it's the first thing uh, in our day that we schedule time to spend with God. Uh, my friend J.D. Walt, you probably heard me talk about him before. Uh, hadn't talked about him in a while, but um, he has this thing that he calls first word God's, is God's word. And so he talks about making God's word the first word of your day. Uh, before you hear the scores from last night's game, before you hear the news from around the world, before you hear status updates from your friends on social media, that you would make God's word the first word. I don't know about you, but... But that's not as easy as it sounds, is it? Uh, I don't know about you, but before my eyes open in the morning, there are already a thousand things jockeying for position in my heart and in my mind. And, and, and if I don't make it the first thing, then sometimes it doesn't happen at all. So, so for me, uh, before anything else happens, before I hit the lights, before my feet hit the ground, I try to make God's word uh, the first word. Uh, it could be... a, a it, on, a, on the, the Church Center app or the Bible app. For me. I use the Bible app. Um, but I want to encourage you uh, to take some time this week to figure out a way to make God's Word the first word that you hear in the morning, uh, that it would be revelation of, of God's unfailing love and God's enduring wisdom 
for your life and see how that changes the trajectory of your life. So number one is make sure you plan your priorities. Put it in your planner and, and see what a difference that might make. And that brings me to the second thing. The second thing is I want to encourage you to make sure that you pray your planner. Okay? Uh, this is something that a pastor friend taught me a number of years ago. And, and when I actually do it, it, it changes my whole day. And what he said he does is he takes his, his planner. Back then it was a, a paper planner when he told me about it. But he probably uses his phone like I do now. But um, he takes his planner and he, he looks at all the appointments and all the meetings and all the things that he has scheduled for his day. And after he's done his, his reading, he takes time to pray through every part of his planner for that day. He prays for that person that he's having coffee with at 8 o'clock or um, the, his staff and, and their staff meeting at 11 o'clock or, or he prays for the, uh, he's got pick up the kids for school at, at 3 and he prays for his kids and, and maybe there's a committee meeting that night at the church and so he prays for that meeting and, and for all the people that are going to be a part of that meeting and he said it's, it's changed everything for him because you know one of the greatest obstacles, maybe you feel this too, sometimes when we're praying or at least sometimes when I'm praying in the morning, I'm, I'm praying, but then I'm thinking about all the things that I have to do during the day, right? Well, I got to go run this there, and I got to do this, and I got to do that. But what if you actually, instead of trying to, to push that thought away, what if you embrace that thought and said, you know what? I got to go do this today. Why don't I take time to pray uh, for that meeting? Why don't I have time to pray for that person that I'm going to be with? Uh, number one, it helps us to not not avoid that, but to pray for it. But but then also what I've found is that if I've prayed for that meeting, I'm going into that meeting in a different place than maybe I would if I hadn't have been prayed for it. And I know that God, that that's already been covered in prayer. And so I know that God has gone ahead of me and and is there with me in that, that meeting or that appointment. I want to encourage you to try that this week and just see what a difference that that might make uh, in your day and, and in how you're, you're feeling about your day. In the very beginning, just see what happens. See, see the thing about this is uh, my hope is with this conversation is that I'm sharing some things that are really practical, things that you can try and just see how God might speak to you through them, that you can develop some New Year's priorities that, that will help you make the most of this gift that we've been given, this precious commodity, this resource of our time so that God can grow the, the currency of our relationships. Um, that brings me to the third and final thing I want to share with you today. So number one, Make sure you plan your priorities. Number two, make sure you pray your planner. And then number three, I want to encourage you to make sure that you prioritize towards your purpose. Whatever your priorities are, that they would align with whatever you feel like God's purpose is for you. The passage of scripture I want to share with you with that is, is Philippians 3, verses 7 through 12, the Apostle Paul says, whatever were gains to me, I consider loss for the sake of Christ. What's more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ my Lord, who's for, who, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. He says, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection of the dead. Not only have I, not that I have already obtained this or I've already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that which Christ has taken hold 
of me. See, friends, this is the, this is the gospel and our response to it, that Christ has taken hold of us, that we belong to Christ, that because of our relationship with Christ, all of our other relationships have been transformed. Because he gave his life for us, we now have life, abundant, eternal life together in Christ. And so, so our lives have purpose and meaning and significance in and through him. How many of y'all have seen the movie City Slickers? Remember that movie from maybe the 90s? It had uh, Billy Crystal and Jack Palance and, and that guy from Home Alone. I don't remember what his name is. But um, there's this great scene in that movie. These guys are kind of in their place. They've been living these busy lives and they've kind of gotten overwhelmed and they're go, they go to this ranch to sort of uh, reconnect and, and rediscover what their purpose in life is. And they're having this conversation with Curly, the, the cowboy. And, and he says, you know what the purpose of, in life is? And, and they said, what? And he, he just holds up the, this finger, right? And they're like, what is this? He says, it's one thing. And they're like, well, what's the one thing? And he says, well, you have to, you have to figure out what that one thing is. And once you figure that thing out, everything else sort of falls into place. And so I want to ask you this morning, last question. What is this for you? That's one of the things I love about the one word process is it always helps me figure out what, what this is. It reminds me of what this is and, and how I can orient my life and my priorities and my perspective and my practices around this. What is your one thing? What would it look like for you this week? For Paul, it was, it was very clear. It was to know Christ in every part of Christ's life, his, his, his victories and his sufferings, so that he could make Christ known in every part of his life. His life goal was for everything that he said and did, every role, every responsibility, every response to every situation. He wanted it to be a reflection of his relationship with God through Jesus Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit. Did, he, did Paul do that perfectly? No. <laughs> did he do it faithfully? I think so. And, and his was a life well lived, and it was an example for us to follow as we seek to live our life together in Christ. So what would it look like for you this week to press on, to take hold of that which Christ has taken hold of? Of you to pursue your relationship with God in and through your relationships with others, to, to, to prioritize your relationship with God and others in the midst of all the many roles and responsibilities that you have at home and, and at work and, and even at church. What would it look like for you to persevere in those relationships, even in the midst of struggle, even in the midst of suffering, because that's what Christ did and that's what Christ calls us to do because when we do that, we experience a, a closeness in our relationship with Christ that, that we can't experience otherwise. So, so my encouragement to you, friends, today, when you're putting things into your planner this afternoon or when you're, you're putting your slippers on in the morning, whatever it looks like for you this week, make sure that you take some time Consider your, your New Year's priorities. Don't, don't let the tyranny of the urgent rob you of your most precious resource, your most valuable commodity. Don't worry about all those things. Seek first God's kingdom and God's righteousness and all these things will be given to you.
Let God grow the currency of your relationships in Christ and allow the Holy Spirit to guide your steps. Amen? Let's pray together. God, thank you so much for this time where we get to come together and and allow you to speak to us through your word and through your spirit, God. We thank you that you are always with us, that you meet us right where we are. And yet you love us so much that you don't leave us there. You invite us to come and follow Jesus. And as we come and follow him, we experience life like we've never experienced it before. It doesn't mean it's going to be easy, but it's going to be good because, because Christ leads us to those places where we can experience new life in him. Abundance, both now and forever. So God, whatever that looks like this week, whatever changes we need to make, whatever plans we need to make, whatever priorities we need to take, Lord, I pray that you would just give us an assurance, a confidence in in your revelation, in your guidance in our lives so that we can walk confidently in faith, knowing that wherever you lead us, you'll give us everything that we need. So God, we love you and we thank you and we, we offer ourselves to you. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to sing one more song before we're done. The altars are going to be open. If you'd like to come and pray, uh, you're more than welcome to do that. If you want somebody to pray with you, I'd love to pray with you this morning. For these last couple of minutes that we're together, I just want to invite you to open up your heart and allow God to speak to you and and respond in whatever way God's God's leading you. So let's, let's stand and let's sing this closing song together.